Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Episode 18, and I am your host, Demetrius Malbro. Today on Data Protection Gumbo, I have the pleasure of speaking with Chris Wall, Technical Evangelist at Rubrik. And Chris has acquired over a decade of IT experience in enterprise infrastructure design, service orchestration, and building policy-based automation tasks. He has provided architectural and engineering expertise in a variety of virtualization, data center, and public cloud-based engagements while working with high-performance technical teams on global reaching environments. Welcome to the gumbo, Chris. Oh, thank you very much, Demetrius. Very happy to be here. I've listened to many of your shows. I'm a fan. I appreciate that. So let's go ahead and, and get started for the fans here and the listeners. So the first question that I have for you, Chris, is I guess Rubik it, Rubik is marketed as being a data converged data management platform. So can you describe how that differs from the more traditional backup software and archive storage and also tape approach to data protection? Sure. I think when you look at the architecture used in the past, it was very piecemeal. You know, it was we need some software to go. I call it eat the data or ingest the data, okay. and then that software would have to put the data somewhere, and, and that's a handoff. You know, So the software kind of knew about the data. It then handed it off to some kind of storage that was disparate of the software, and then that storage either had some intelligence to it to deduplicate or not. And you know, as the data keeps being handed off from one bucket to the next, the visibility is lost, and it's all these different pieces and parts having to work together to get the data ultimately to some kind of archive storage, you know, some tape or disk right. is more recent, et cetera. And so you lose, you lose a lot in that model. You know, you lose visibility, getting the data after it's moved to tape is painful and, and you okay. have, you have index data, but you don't really have the data anymore. And the idea with converged data management is to converge software and storage so that we don't really care about you know, where the data lives necessarily, we can get to it regardless. You know, we can get to it when it's on the appliance that is rubric. We can get to it when it's in some kind of archive bucket that's either object or, or file-based storage. And data management, meaning that that's really what it's all about. We're managing the life cycle of the data from the point that we ingest it out of the primary storage all the way to the point where it's in an archive. We remain, uh, the data remains visible, accessible, and there's a lot of neat efficiencies there to make sure that regardless of how we structure the data, whether or not it's in one archive, ten archives, you know, across the world or not, it's constantly being uh, deduplicated, compressed, you know, all those efficiencies that we need to make sure that we're sipping things like the private cloud. Ah, okay, sipping. I, I like that word. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you you mentioned appliance. Um, so I guess I want to ask, I guess, why did Rubik uh, choose to build a scale-out architecture using a distributed cluster of appliances? That's, that's a good question. If you look at the other appliances that are out in the market, I think one of the major challenges is that they are kind of their own domain silo. You know, as you deploy an appliance, it was just meant for you know, ease of use. It's kind of turnkey. You don't have to deal with it. But each appliance was its own thing, and you really couldn't scale beyond whatever that one appliance could handle. You, know, you could add disk shelves or whatnot, and that was it. So the idea here was to take you know, kind of generic x86, you know, the commercial off-the-shelf or uh, you know, type hardware, you know, Supermicro, et cetera, okay. and really make the importance on the software, right? And so there's no real speciality to the hardware, but it allows you to build these really simple kind of bricks, as we call them, into your data center. 
so that you're not worrying about you know going shopping for pieces of hardware and whatnot and trying to apply the software to it. You just buy a brick. It's a four-node, two-U enclosure. You throw it in the data center. And then as you need to grow, you just add more of these nodes via these bricks. Right, because okay. I think data protection is the one area in the data center we know absolutely is going to grow. I, mean, I don't know of many folks who are yes. shrinking their data center storage. You know, it's always growing forever. Uh, so it allows you to just scale that out, whether or not it's the on-premises bricks, you know, the appliances themselves, or some kind of archive target. And that's why I think a distributed cluster of appliances is almost table stakes. It's necessary to do data protection if you want it to remain simple and scalable and not have to manage 30 different pieces of architecture as you go forward. Okay, so that, that's pretty cool. So I guess a customer buys a rubric brick and they bring it into their data center. They rack it, stack it, set it up, uh, cable it, uh, power it up, and um, it, it kind of goes out and does its thing. And I guess once data is placed into I guess an archive or one of these appliances. How do you search and recover uh, that data? Oh, that's my most favorite exciting part. You know, because so many companies focused on you know how many terabytes per minute can I ingest in the system? Oh yeah, because that's the fun marketing numbers. But then right. the user has to deal with restoring. That's that's where the value is actually. Otherwise, there's no point in buying this stuff. I agree. <laughs> So um, it's all done through a really snazzy HTML5 interface, and it's very Google-like because a lot of our engineers came from the world of Google and Facebook and whatnot. In fact, that's the, the, the big benefit of the rubric kind of engineering blend is it's a lot of consumer-based expertise mixed with a lot of enterprise-based expertise. So you get the best of both worlds. And so just like Google search, you should be able to literally go into the system, and you can, and just start typing what it is you're looking for. And just like with Google, where it starts kind of predictively suggesting what it thinks you're looking for on the fly, it will start kind of suggesting the data or the server that you're looking for, and you can select that or just keep typing the, the query until you're done. And then restoring, you've got lots of options, right? Okay. Most folks are going to want to do a single file restore, as an example. And so we'll let you restore any file out of any virtual machine or workload that you've backed up doesn't matter where it lives. It could be across the world in some kind of public cloud, some kind of archive, object store. It's irrelevant. We'll grab that, and this is, this is what I think is the, the cool, nerdy part. Normally, when you want to get data out of a public cloud, that's where they get you because yeah. you're paying for that restore, the network transfer, et cetera, to get it out of the public cloud. Right. The cool thing with Rubrik is the only pieces we ever need to get out of the archive, as an example, S3 from Amazon, are the unique deduplicated blocks that we don't have on our appliances. So you may be restoring a 100 gigabyte file out of the cloud. We're probably going to have 90 to 95% of that, and then metadata, metadata is located locally, so we can figure out, oh, we only need you know a couple hundred megabytes or even less than that to restore out of the cloud. So you're able to restore gigabytes for the price of megabytes. And I think that's pretty clutch for companies that are looking to use things like public cloud without paying an arm and a leg. Okay, so that sounds like change block tracking to me. Which, yeah, we use change block tracking on the on okay. the front end uh, to definitely make sure that all of our backups are nice and lean and mean. And then, additionally, as opposed to other systems where the deduplication and metadata is more per appliance, all of ours are global. So it doesn't matter where the data lives; we have the metadata and the deduplication information on all of the pieces of you know the blocks globally. It doesn't matter if it's in the public cloud or not. Okay, so so what about the business users? And I guess how do the business users feed in their protection requirements into Rubrik per se? This is where we've turned 
the data protection schema on its head a little bit. Working with a lot of other products, the typical workflow is the business units dictate some kind of RPO value. They'll say, we're willing to tolerate four hours of loss, and we need that to return to operations or recovery time objective of you know half a day or a day or whatever it is. Okay. They're talking in minutes, hours, days, things like that. The back of administrator's job or the server administrator's job is to go and translate that into these very uh, imperative backup jobs. You know, take these ten workloads, back them up every night, go to this storage array, etc. They have to, they have to, they have to be the translation layer between the business and the technology. Which means you have to find all these people that are certified and trained and have this expertise in all these different backup products. With okay. Rubrik, we we've gotten rid of that. I mean, there's still. Um, the need to talk to the business or at least present to the business what the RTO and RPO values that you can support. So you'll still have that conversation, but you can feed that information directly into Rubrik, which is kind of nice. So let's say that you had a system where for this particular set of applications, the business wants you know a four-hour RPO. You can go into Rubrik and use a declarative SLA policy and state, I need data to be protected at no greater than four hours. You know, I don't, it needs to be every four hours or less. The system will then figure that out based on looking at your workloads and looking at the nodes and the health and performance, et cetera, and do that for you. And there's no further activities required. It just goes from there. Okay, so it sounds like you're trying to put me out of a job as a backup administrator. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the, the major the value that the backup administrator can bring is you know, making sure that the system is healthy, providing access to the restores, you know, okay. planning for the future, doing capacity and growth analysis and things like that. There's not a huge amount of value with just going in and clicking checkboxes and entering values into backup jobs. In fact, that's hard to do at scale. If you're doing hundreds or thousands of backup jobs, trying to manage all of that is a nightmare. It's probably the least favorite part of backup administration. I agree with that. So I'm, I'm not I'm not sure if you've already answered this or not, but I, I'm I'm going to ask you anyway. So I guess okay. how how does Rubrik Solution drive down uh, recovery point objectives and recovery time objectives values? You know, for today's modern data center. So I think if you look at some other products that that may be out there that are backing up, you know, virtual machines and workloads, the challenge that they're having is dealing with. Uh, highly performant or highly transactional workloads, and how do you get around that, such as databases, which are highly transactional in some cases. So from an RPO perspective, it can be challenging to meet the requirements because you either have to do some fancy tricks to the database in which it's dumping logs or doing you know native backups to some secondary partition, right. and then you are going in and backing up that secondary partition, and it makes makes it tough to then restore quickly and meet the RPO and RTO, uh, the RTO values on the, on the back end when you're trying to restore this weird kind of backup chain. So we actually have uh, very slick and efficient VSS providers and other things like that to quiesce, get the data off the virtual machines, make sure that we're getting the data super, super quickly so that the backup window and the RPO values are really low. So on the front end, we can back up to all of our nodes across the cluster. We're backing up to Flash. Uh, we're doing all the data efficiencies and, and that kind of jazz in line. And then we're able to index all that data without doing any kind of performance penalty to the, to the workload. And that allows you to drive lower RPOs just because we're able to back up quicker. From an RTO perspective, we can also replicate that data to a secondary site, or in the case of, oh my gosh, my virtual machine or my workload's completely down, it's offline, what do I do? We can actually become a storage array for the virtual machine, as an example. Oh, really? Okay. So you can say, 
this database server has died. I need to go to the backup. It happens to be four hours ago or four weeks ago, whatever it is. Run me a virtual machine based off that backup. And without having to hydrate or you know restore the data, the rubric cluster will just start to appear as if it was a storage array, as a, as a data store to vSphere as an example. And we'll give the virtual machine back to vCenter in the state that it was backed up and just start running it. So I've done tests okay. with multi-terabyte database servers where you say, I want to run this now. And the time it takes to boot the operating system that's running that virtual machine is the RTO, and you're back up and running. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so I, I guess, can can you give me, I guess, a typical scenario, because you mentioned that uh, your rubric bricks can, you know, you have one set up in data center A and maybe even in data center B, and you do some replication to kind of keep data in sync, in sync and also in multiple locations. Can you give me a scenario of, I guess, you know, having two of these bricks set up and, you know, they're replicating and just kind of give me the daily workflow of, of, of how this happens on a daily basis? Is, is that okay? Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, it's all about the SLA policy, making things as declarative as possible, meaning okay. I just want to tell Rubrik what the intent is. You know, What is the end goal? These are the RPO and RTO values. That's the same for replication and archive as well. So you brought up replication. Per policy, you're going to go in there and say, I need you to replicate this data to a secondary cluster somewhere. And that's to continue supporting really low RTO values to make sure that in the secondary site, we can just bring it right up without having to go elsewhere out of an archive to bring it back up. And so you can say, you know, this is the gold SLA protecting my really valuable virtual machines or workloads. Make sure that that's replicated. And I want to keep, let's say, three or four weeks on site in my secondary data center. And that's really it. There's no other you know, tw- uh, tweaking or fiddling you have to do. The secondary site will then begin receiving all of the backups that the primary site is taking. And if you have an issue where there's a disaster of some sort in the primary site, it's just a matter of going to the secondary site. And remember when I said you can run virtual machines or workloads off of Rubrik, uh, okay. right off the cluster, it's the same kind of concept. You can hmm. begin firing them up off of the the cluster that's running Rubrik software. And if, let's say it's going to be a long-term disaster. You can actually move those workloads off of Rubrik and put them back onto some kind of primary storage. So it's a nice little lifeboat to get everything online super quickly because each uh, 4-node-2-U brick is able to support anywhere from 20 to 30,000 I.O. So they're not, you know, they're not sluggish. Uh, you can get them all running and, okay. and then move them to some kind of primary storage later uh, after you know that this isn't a temporary kind of thing. Okay, so I guess in security, uh, cybersecurity, security is really, really hot right now because there are tons of major data breaches every day. And, you know, not once do I turn on the television or, you know, look at my email that, oh, wow, you know, another, you know, hospital or church or something has been hacked. And, you know, you even had to have this thing called ransomware out there now. So that's all increasing. So I guess. Does the brick have encryption built into it or some type of uh, functionality where it can do you know, encryption in flight or at rest? Absolutely. So the data that's coming in, uh, it's obviously being encrypted based on the, the transfer. You know? So as, as we're ingesting the data, you know, that's secure. Uh, we definitely have the ability to do encryption at rest. Uh, so I think we're uh, okay. FIPS level two validated, uh, which is beyond you know, FIPS compliant or something like that. That means it's actually been you know, reviewed 
uh, and that it meets all of the you know FIPS 140-2 you know certified encryption requirements. Okay. Uh, so this is you know government level security that you can get on the the bricks, and we have a model specifically for people that are really serious about making sure that everything is encrypted to FIPS 140 level two. That's the uh, the 528 model. Uh, but then beyond that, you know, let's say you're using any other model of the the rubric cluster uh, hardware, you know, the R300 series as an example. You can provide your own keys to put the data into an archive. You know, so if you're using S3 as an example, you build your buckets, provide the keys that you're using for uh, user-based security into rubric, and then we use your keys. We don't have your keys anywhere. It's all you okay. putting them in the system, and that's the in-flight and at-rest encryption to get it into some kind of object store as an example. So the, the goal is to make sure everything's encrypted end-to-end as much as possible uh, to meet your needs for security. Okay, fantastic. So I guess let's talk about use cases. That's my favorite part of the show, <laughs> use cases, right? You, you want to see exactly you know, how customers are using it, right? So what use cases are you seeing customers adopt uh, with Rubrik? One of my favorite ones, I, I, I tell the story a lot because I think it's so cool, is a casino called Red Hawk Casino that uh, wanted to eliminate tape as one part of it because they're spending way too much time and energy and, and money on it. But also they were, and, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of a thing that's near and dear to my heart. I, I was an administrator that was dealing with hundreds of tapes per month and okay. it's just like throwing money into a, it's like owning a boat, you know, throwing money into the water, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's difficult to restore from and I can go on and on. But in this, yeah. in this case, it was interesting because they were trying to protect very highly transactional workloads. And you would imagine, you know, their casino, of course, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, and this was a database server, and they just could not back this thing up. It was too highly transactional. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you try to quiesce the application, it would time out, et cetera. And so what they were doing was 24-hour backups of the workload, and then that would go you know, through the Rube Goldberg-type machine to go onto a storage array, and then that goes to a tape drive, et cetera. So right. they, put in, they put in Rubrik to solve that problem, and it really was about seeing if the claims that I've made recently here about quiescing and able to do you know, application-consistent backups to something like a database server is possible. So they pointed Rubrik at their database servers, and not only was it possible, they're actually doing four-hour full virtual machine application-aware backups to Rubrik instead of the data dump backups that were made by SQL every 24 hours with a competitive software. Okay. Uh, so they've also eliminated pretty much all of the tape. You know, it's just aging out and going away. So, right. basically, for the price of the tape system renewal, they bought Rubrik, and now all of their you know their TCO is is like half of what it used to be, but they're getting a four hour RPO instead of a twenty four hour RPO at a near zero RTO. So I think that one's just like it's a it's a yeah it's a use case I see repetitiously. I see a lot of customers enjoying that same kind of benefits, but it's one that we have on the website that I can talk publicly about. Okay, I appreciate you sharing that one with me. Yeah, so you know, you, if you're talking about tape, you know, tape has been around for a long time, and I definitely know that tape will remain around for a long time because it, it definitely still has its use cases. Um, you know, in certain things as uh, healthcare and HIPAA, and you you have even on the financial services side as well, where you you um, you also have to have a need for tape as well. But for the most part. It's really exciting to hear about all of the cases and all of the new systems that are uh, being innovated, you know, such as your, your Rubrik uh, Converged Data Management Platform and uh, Rubrik Bricks and so on and so forth. So I just really, 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 really appreciate you coming on the show and providing some information for us. And um, I think that is the final question I have for you. And I really appreciate you coming on the show, Chris. 
Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me as a guest. All right. Have a good one. I want to thank you for listening. I welcome your feedback on iTunes and ask that you provide a rating and share with your peers. Please follow me on Twitter at DMalbro and connect with me on LinkedIn. Together we will be able to add to the innovation of storing data more efficiently and smarter. Have a great week.